Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Alright, now we have another international update, this time speaking with Dylan Arvela, who's been on a fair few times. You may know him from the Box to Box podcast, at TBTB Podcast on Twitter. Dylan, of course, we're going to be talking about European champions, Portugal, and all the things happening with them lately. Most recently, of course, beating Latvia in what looked like a fairly convincing scoreline. How did that match transpire? Uh, yeah, so it was, it was quite convincing, um, despite Ronaldo missing a penalty. Uh, we ran out 4-1 winners in that match. Um, and it was it was a pretty interesting occasion because it was the first game where Portugal's reverted back to the 4-3-3, which has pretty much been the, the known formation for Portugal throughout the time I've been following them. Of course, they reverted to 4-4-2 um, during the Euros. But yeah, so reverting back to 4-3-3, probably... Um, to get a more possession over these, over this weaker side. Um, in this match, Cavalho, William Cavalho controlled it, controlled the game in the middle of the park, which allowed for João Mario and Andre Gomes to really cause Latvia all sorts of issues. And then further forward, it was uh, Andre Silva leading the line, who was constantly bringing in the lights of Nani and Ronaldo into the game. Um, but really, I want to take you back to the earlier qualifying matches because it hasn't been all smooth sailing for us. Um, so we started off our campaign, uh, our World Cup qualifying campaign against Switzerland. Uh, this was minus Ronaldo, who was still recovering from a knee injury that he sustained in the final uh, that I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast would have been aware, aware of. Mm. Uh, we actually went down 2-0 in that match, and which was actually our first defeat in 10 competitive matches. It was a pretty close game, really. The Swiss actually scored their two goals about five minutes apart. It was interesting to see the stoic formation that persisted throughout the Euros um, was was kept for that game. I, I thought that in the qualifiers, we might have reverted back to the fourth or three that we have now seen um, against Latvia. There was Eder uh, up front with Bernardo Silva and Nani able to roam behind, um, but clearly that wasn't wasn't that successful because Eder, even though he is a national hero now, he isn't the greatest Oz strikers, um, and he doesn't seem to have um, much chemistry with the other Portuguese players, uh, which is a concern. Um, this was a pretty bad result considering there is only one team goes automatically through and it means that Portugal needed to win out to claim the top spot including two games versus Hungary a team which we drew against in the Euros um, and we also play Switzerland in the final match so that could be some, sort of like a playoff for who makes it directly into the World Cup a win there would probably put us through because Switzerland don't score the volume of haven't scored the volume of goals that uh, Portugal have so far um, and in our other qualifiers there was two 6-0 wins at home to Andorra and away to the Faroe Islands. Um, Ronaldo bagged five goals in these matches, but the real shining light, uh, who I mentioned a bit earlier, was Andre Silva, who scored his first against Andorra and a hat-trick against the Faroes. Um, and I've spoken in the past about how Portugal's next generation is really promising, and Silva highlights that. And, but there is a lot of pressure on him, um, and whether that's right or wrong, uh, the reason for it is because Portugal 
have been void of a top st- quality striker for decades. But uh, yeah, he's really prom- promising. So yeah, at the moment we're second in the group, nine points, um, not too bad. So three wins out of four, plus thirteen goal difference, three points behind Switzerland, two in front of Hungary, who we actually face in our next match. I'm, I believe that's at home. Mm. Hungary that's like in being, March, right? Yeah, I, I think think it's quite a while that's away. A while. So. Could be a completely different side. Um, Hungary have been going, going pretty good, at, good as well. They're they're on seven points. And they actually travelled Switzerland a couple about a month back. They lost three two to them, so that could be a tough game for us. Mm. And, and and they but, had a pretty they, they you know covered themselves in glory a little bit at, at the Euros, especially beating Austria, which obviously had some uh, historical ramifications to it as well. Yeah, I think that a lot of people were because they hadn't been in a major tournament in a long time. They sort of wrote them off, but they really were impressive in the group. And really, if it wasn't for Ronaldo's double against them, we would have we would have uh, I think finished bottom of that group. So mm. they're actually they're not a weak side to have as like the third strongest team in the group, but. We are European champions, so I'd like to say that I'm still quite confident that if if we all if the squad remains relative, relatively fit, we go undefeated from here on. Um, but Portugal, as some may know, have a long history of having to go to the playoffs to qualify for major tournaments. Um, so, yeah, hope, hopefully it doesn't get to that stage. Yeah, you already mentioned uh, that Silva's probably the future of the forward position. Just a slight word of caution, even though our striker situation uh, with Netherlands was vastly different because we have had terrific strikers in the past. But Jansen is basically the only one really in the pipeline. So just don't put uh, too much pressure on him would be the <laughs> uh, be the gentle uh, encouragement I would offer. Um, other young players that have been coming through, I spoke with you uh at the end of the euros about who we should kind of keep an eye on i brought up gelson martins uh and you were saying that he wasn't really one of the ones leading the crop of young players into what would hopefully be portugal's 11 going forward he's had an incredible start to this season he's been playing really well has that kind of changed his stead in your mind yeah gelson martins is someone that's really really pushed on in my eyes this season. Last season, he seems a bit erratic. Some games I saw in that he was completely absent, but and some games he really turned it on. But this season, I think he's been tremendous, and he's starting to get uh, some more times, some more game time for Portugal, uh, admittedly off the bench. Um, I've seen on Twitter that some sporting Lisbon fans have, are saying that the Portuguese FA have it out for them because most of the most of the FA are ex-Benfica board members. Um, so, but oh, I don't think that's the case. He's a tremendous talent. He's still only 21, and he and I was just looking at it earlier. He's got got 50 first time appearances for Sporting, so he's he's clearly established into their squad now. Um, he's quick, great ball control. He's got the ability to really stretch the opponents, and I think for most people that wouldn't be watching the Portuguese league, the moment that would have stuck out for them this season was when the Sporting Lisbon played Real Madrid. Uh, they lost that game two one, but Gelson Martinez was absolutely phenomenal. He got subbed off after about sixty five minutes when Sporting were one 0 ahead, and in fact, Sporting should have won that game. Real Madrid scored their two goals with about two or three minutes to go, uh, but he was sensational. He, he's just got 
fantastic dribbling ability. He's able to play on the left. He's able to play on the right. He actually um, started his career playing as a fullback. So it's interesting how um, his his attacking prowess is is so apparent. So and you're he's saying a he's that, a Portuguese Gareth Bale? <laughs> that's that is what I'm saying, and I'm I'm very very keen to see him really push himself um, push himself into into the Portuguese into the Portuguese setup and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's uh, the subject to a big transfer over the next 18 months. Any other youngsters that you're kind of keeping an eye on? Um, so yeah, like I mentioned, Andre Silva, I think just touching on your point about um, <laughs> the pressure on him, that's that's something that crippled Nuno Gomes, who mm. was who who just recently retired. I think he was a black man for a couple of years. He spent most of his career at Benfica, but when he was coming through about 2002, that World Cup, he was. They everyone was saying that he was going to be the next great Portuguese player. That didn't transpire. He did okay for Portugal, but yeah, that's that's a that's a clear example, a clear Portuguese example of how how pressure can really cripple mm-hmm. someone's career. Um, I, there's pl- there's plenty of talent around. Bernardo Silva, he's an immense talent. He's 22. He's a key player at Monaco. Uh, he he missed the Euros due to injury. And if I'm honest, I think that injury was probably a significant factor into the way Fernando Santos ended uh, ended up setting up the Portuguese side. Uh, if he was there, they probably wouldn't have played in such a defensive manner. Silva can play anywhere behind the strikers. Really, um, generally suited out on the right, and his talents were on display. For anyone that watched uh, Spurs v Monaco, where he grabbed in the in the Champions League, where he grabbed the first goal in that match, and for mine, he was probably the man in ma- man of the match in that particular game. But there's also Renato Sanchez, who was a revelation in the Euros. Uh, he got his first minutes for Portugal since then uh, in the game against Latvia the other day. Um, his move to Bayern Munich has been mixed with niggly injury, injuries that have seen him only appear in a handful of matches. Um, but but since the since the Euros, he's picked up the European Golden Boy Award, which I think is fair to say he deserves deserved it because he was a key uh, figure for Benfica last season when they won the league. And I think the hype, the hype is real. He's still a teenager until next August. Um, Yet he's. I think I think it wouldn't be too fast to fetch to say he's in Europe's top twenty centre mids. Um, he's he's that good. He has the strength, control, presence. His presence on the field was in some of the games of the Euros was really astounding. Like we we had senior t- senior players like Adrian Silva in the side and Dijon Moutinho and William Cavallo in the mid in the midfield. But when when Sanchez was on the field, he was the dominant the dominant player there, and it's. It's really no wonder Bayern splashed the cash. I think he's their fourth highest transfer of all time. Uh, I think the only thing he needs to work of work on is his sort of technical awareness, his his game smarts. Because sometimes he does he does do a lot of running, but doesn't really have a purpose, which is is good in a sense. People like to see people working, but I think if he can if he can mature in that sense he'll he'll be one of the best players in the world and I I don't really have a doubt about that I, I'm pretty sure even though he only has 10 or so appearances of Bayern this season he's going to go on to really great things it, whether it's at Munich or not 
I'm not 100% sure, but he, he's phenomenal. Uh, and then there's the likes of Joao Concillo. He's the fullback of Valencia. Rafael Guerrero, who just signed for uh, Borussia Dortmund. He's, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, left back, and he's got a fantastic free kick. Uh, Juan Carlos Guedes, who's a forward of Benfica. And then there's Ruben Neves, who's a center defensive midfielder, and he's the captain of the under-21s, and he's a key part of Porto's midfield. And really, the future is very promising. It's very bright, and I can't, I can't wait to see how it transpires. Yeah, definitely interesting to see. On the other end of the age spectrum, there are some Portugal players that are getting up there a bit in years, maybe a bit long in the tooth. Uh, who do you think is maybe leaning closer to falling out of the squad? Well, a player, there's, if, if you look at uh, most of it would be in the back line, which is concerning because most of our players coming through uh, are attacking players. The likes of Bruno Alves, who who's scored a goal against Latvia this morning, he's 34. He's got 88 caps for Portugal. He's probably someone that could be on the way out. He probably won't make it to the World Cup. Uh, Jose Fonte, who's, I think it's a crime that he's only got 20 caps. He's 32. He'll probably be at the next World Cup. However, he's he's probably not going to make it to the next Euros, which is disappointing because he's, like I said, he deserves more than 20 caps for the talents that he has. Um, then there's the likes of Ricardo Cavalier, who was a part of the squad for the last Euros, but I think he's been phased out now. He's, does, he's without a club, and I think he'll probably move towards retirement now. Then there's Pepe. He's 33, similar to Jose Fonte. He'll probably make it to the next World Cup. But from from there, that's that's probably it. Um, and then, really, Danny, who's who's Danny is in it, the attacking midfielder for Zenit St. Petersburg. I think he might be their captain. I think he's an interesting case. He came into the Portugal setup quite late in his career, about twenty six, twenty seven, and was really impressive. Around it would have been around the World two thousand ten World Cup. But and and when. Uh, Bernardo Silva was ruled out. I thought he was going to be drafted into the squad for the last Euros, but he he didn't feature. He'll probably be gone. João Moutinho, he was he's one of my favourite Portugal players of the last five six years, but he wasn't very very influential at the last Euros. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where how he's positioning this side. Um, and then, then of course, there is the attacking players. We'll get to the big one in a second. But there's Nani, who's who's probably got probably make it to the next Euros by that time. He'll be about 34. Ricardo Karajma, who was one of one of my favourite stories from the last World Cup. He'll be he'll probably be gone after the next World Cup. And then uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, he's 31 now. Uh, just had a knee injury, but he seemed to recover from that pretty well. He just signed a new. Uh, contract with Real Madrid five years, I believe it was. So, so where where does that put him to you, you, the twenty twenty one? So, possibly he's looking to twenty twenty two. I don't know how he'll he'll how he'll cope with a World Cup in Qatar. Mm. Um, but if there's any if there's anyone that's going to keep themselves in shape, um, it's going to be Ronaldo, and I think. Um, I think he's a player that he'll definitely be a key part 
going into the, the next World Cup and probably the Euros in 2020. But there's a lot, like, like we mentioned before, even by 2020, there's a lot of young talent coming through. And even if he's still at Real Madrid and still scoring 20-plus goals a season, um, I don't know whether he'll be as as crucial to this Portugal side, which I think I think is probably a good thing because there's a lot of criticism, some somewhat justified, not all, not entirely, but somewhat justified that we on occasions do over rely on Cristiano Ronaldo, um, and it's good to see these young players come in to fill, start filling the void, or filling filling not well, it's not a void yet, but but taking the pressure off Ronaldo. Yeah, definitely needed to continue uh, at the rate you've been going, which, again, includes uh, winning the European Championships in <laughs> the summer. Um, you did mention that you're in second place behind Switzerland, although you do have double their goal difference. Do you think you're going to win the group? And if not, are you even really that concerned about it as long as you make the tournament? Um, well, so we've got Hungary in our next two games, which will be tricky. If we get through those those two games, then we have to face Latvia, Andorra, and uh, the Faroe Islands again, which we should win those three. Um, and it really comes down to that final game against Switzerland. That's that's pretty much our playoff before the playoffs. If we, because of our, because of the goals that we've already already gained, and we'll probably still build on that. Um, a win there will see us come first, and I, I don't really want to go to a playoff because. Because playoffs, you know, in the end, can almost be a flip of the coin. So I do want to win the group. And to be fair, Switzerland, I, I do think I'm pretty sure they're in the top ten in the FIFA rankings because they're they're pretty solid in qualifying. But I don't feel they are they are the greatest team out there. So I feel that uh, it was quite disappointing losing to them in this in the opening match. So it's really important that we that we manage to we manage to go undefeated from here on in. But saying that, um, Hungary really pushed them. So when they face when they face Switzerland again, they could slip up. Uh, Switzerland could slip up against Hungary. And Switzerland, they aren't really known for smashing teams. So if maybe a Latvia could grab a nil all with them, that's that would also help on our road to Russia. But yeah, we, we're European champions. It would be a huge disappointment if we weren't able to qualify altogether um but it would probably still be disappointing if we had to go through the playoffs as well all right well that'll do us uh talking about portugal you'll be back on very soon uh talking about australia but in the interim where could folks find you yeah it's been a pleasure being on um if you want to find me on twitter you can go to dylan eloy arvella thank you very much <laughs>